Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. Stephen Gillespie is not joining me tonight. However, we got to keep it rolling with the NBA Lottery Team Series. This is our buildup towards the 2022 NBA Draft. We're doing a whole bunch of different type, types of shows on this podcast. We're doing big board talk. We're doing mock drafts. We're previewing the lottery. We're going to be doing a reaction to that this week as well. But part of what we've been doing lately is really trying to dive into some of the lottery teams, react to what their season was last year, talk about some of the young talent that's on the roster currently and where they could possibly look to target in the 2022 NBA draft. We've already covered the Detroit Pistons. We've covered the Houston Rockets. Now we got to move on to the Orlando Magic, and I have no one better with me to do that with and somebody who I, I got to work with him one other time on content to a mutual friend of ours Chris LeBron we did a mock draft together was incredibly impressed with the knowledge that this guy had that I was able to take away from you know him as the host of the Max Van Auken podcast co-host of the Believe in Orlando Magic podcast Max Van Auken Max how you doing brother I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate the kind of words. I was impressed with yourself. That draft show was incredible. Like the, <laughs> the knowledge and it's like you're a real hoop junkie and just evaluating talent. And I think we're all nerds when it comes to NBA and hoops. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And so if you're if you're a nerd of basketball and you just love the game, that was one of the best episodes I've been a part of. Oh, if there's one thing, there's one thing that Chris LeBron knows how to do well. I mean, shout out to Chris over at the off the ball never. He does a lot well. But if there's one thing he really knows how to do well, it's get a whole bunch of people together who have never interacted with one another and get them to do one of the most cohesive mock draft shows. I think I've ever yeah. been a part of that. That's a talent, man. I don't know if I could pull that off, but shout out to Chris. Yeah. He's like a GM of podcasting in a sense. <laughs> he knows how to assemble the right pieces together and uh, deliver some great product, but no, I really do appreciate it. The Orlando magic um, certainly been a fun team to be a part of and watch, believe it or not. So as I mentioned at the top, he is a co-host of the Believe in Orlando Magic podcast. He's credentialed media to go and cover Orlando Magic games. So Max does a great job with his own podcast front. He covers a he covers a wide variety of sports topics. You do so much, man. I'm I'm impressed with all of the work, everything that you do on your own podcast front, your own media front. But naturally, you do know a thing or two about the Orlando Magic. So I had to have you on. And we got to do, we got to start just Kind of what I've been asking everybody who's come on for the series, just big picture takeaways this previous season. What did you see from the Orlando Magic? What are some of the bigger takeaways before we start diving into specific players? Right. I appreciate that, though, first and foremost, seriously. Um, when it comes to the Orlando Magic, so we, we can be brutally honest, right? It's okay to have these conversations. They're not a good basketball team. And like, sure. oh, hey, that you cover the Magic. Like, well, I can't really lie to you. They're clearly on the bottom of the league like I can't fake those type of stats and numbers they're not a good basketball yeah. but I am a glass half full type of person there's usually a handful of teams you have really good championship legitimate championship contenders you have really good teams but we don't really buy them as championship contenders and then you have like the middle of the pack type of teams and then you have the bottom end of the teams and obviously the Orlando Magic fall on the bottom end of the teams but one thing that I really like about that is you clearly get a good spot in the lottery and you have an opportunity to have a young nucleus, which they have. They're one of the youngest teams in the NBA. So my takeaway from this past season was really trying to find an identity 
and creating a culture. And so one thing that we have going for us is that we do have a very young nucleus. And that's one thing I feel like a lot of people are fascinated by um, when you grow something organically versus getting a bunch of rentals. And so this is no shade to those teams that have gotten a bunch of rentals, but from the Brooklyn Nets, I'll just use an example. So you have, Absolutely. you have what Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant at the time, it was James Harden. It's pretty cool, right? An accumulation of talent. But there's just something about seeing something grow organically. And the Golden State Warriors are really the epitome of this. The Spurs of just seeing the players from scratch develop into something. And it just builds this type of feeling that fans can get behind. People gravitate towards that. You saw the struggle. You saw them develop. It's just not a quick put a bunch of super. It's not the expendables where you put a bunch of superstars together and make a great film. Like, believe it or not, I know I'm going a little bit on a rant here, but those Marvel movies people think it's just an accumulation of heroes, but they each had individual movies that went into the Avengers. So oh, you do absolutely. Those characters. So I say that to say that the Orlando Magic are drafting these individual pieces and they're growing into something that we hope to be. I mean, the Avengers would be, of course, the ideal situation, but it's cool to see these young players develop. So my biggest takeaway from last season was really seeing who are the guys that you want to rock with. Who are the guys that you could say, that's going to be our direction who we need to start figuring out where the pieces fit going forward. I really do love, well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm also a big Marvel guy. So we, we can throw any of those analogies out there. I'm going to, I'm going to love all of them, but really I love how that hits home specifically because you have, you have a lot of these, the, the majority of the roster is a lot of young talent, right? But yeah. they're kind of all from different walks, right? Like similar to when the Avengers come together to yep. be the collection that they are, they're all sort of from, different walks right you got guys like Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz who are still young in their own right but they've had some injury troubles which have really you know not made their careers as consistent as to what they could be so far you have Mo Bamba who has a lot of talent as a big man but he hasn't necessarily gotten the quote-unquote opportunity really to prove more of that until what we got to see later in last season I'm sure we'll talk about Mo Bamba a little yeah. later in this podcast you have Wendell Carter who was traded to the team from Chicago. This is this is his second team already. So you have yeah. like this certain group of people who want to talk about how he's quote unquote been written off on. But I I had a number four in that draft class. I still believe in a lot of the upside that he has. Wow. And then you have this this log jam of guards, which is really I guess appropriately where we can start. I mean, you have Cole Anthony. I already yeah. mentioned Fultz at the top. Jalen Suggs was just drafted last year. And you have RJ Hampton, who was also on a second team, was acquired in a trade from Denver. Yeah. You have these four guards who are all, in theory, trying to compete with one another, to establish themselves not only as rotation players on a team, right, but we're talking about starters, right? Who are going to be the starting guards moving forward? So out of those four names, we can kind of pick each one apart a little bit, but out of those four guys, Max, who's the one that really intrigues you the most after watching them last year? Um, I've always been high on Markel Fultz, higher than others. Um, but to answer your question, I'll start off with, I believe Jalen Suggs and Markel Fultz are those guys that I truly believe like, okay, if we see to continue to develop, those could be guys. Now, Jalen Suggs to me has the most raw untapped potential right now. So he probably has the highest ceiling out of the bunch. Markel Fultz has had some more time in this league. So it's not that he can't still develop. But Jalen Suggs literally is a baby in the league. So he has the most untapped potential um, out of the bunch. And so I believe Jalen Suggs is definitely a cornerstone for the Orlando Magic. You just have to see him continue to develop. 
um, and Markel Fultz. Because Markel went from obviously being a number one to then all of a sudden everyone's selling their Markel Fultz stock. He doesn't know how to shoot. He's using virtual reality goggles. Like, how do you not even know how to shoot? And so everyone just said he complete bust. And so when the Orlando Magic acquired him originally, I thought that was a genius move because it's a low risk, high reward. Somebody that Absolutely. everyone's off. But yet, if he can tap into that potential that we did see, this could be a steal. And we see flashes of that. The way, even without a refined jump shot, he's still able to create space, keep the defense on their toes. He can get to the paint at will. He has really good size. He's a big guard, um, very athletic. And one thing that I love about him is his energy. He's a good culture guy. Um, and also he has developed that jump shot, right? It's not like he's refusing to shoot the three. Like I see yeah. progress. Um, so those would be my two guys. Now, when it goes to Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton, I was higher on RJ Hampton than most. And I just believed he needed the right situation. Denver wasn't the right situation for him. So I believe he has an opportunity with Orlando, but it's still kind of a hard spot for him just because of how many guards there are. But he, again, is someone that you want in the open floor. He's a big guard. He's athletic. So the two guys, like I said, would definitely be Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony. Now, this may spark a little bit of, not controversy, but I see him more as a six-man. I don't see him as a guy who I would want to build going forward with. But if I can continue to have him on this rookie deal, obviously, coming off the bench possibly and being that spark, I could see that more of a role for him going forward. I think – Jalen Suggs has more of that starter cornerstone potential. We're going to double back on all these guys, but you, you, you mentioned Cole Anthony, man. Cole was my guy in I that draft class. He, he still is my guy, I guess. Okay. My question to you about Cole is would that answer be different? Had he not had a little bit of injury trouble that he did in the second half of the year and, and tailed off from what he was doing in end of October, November through December. Cause he was having like a borderline all-star year as, a, as a second year guard. And like the Orlando magic fans were clamoring for him to get all-star votes, but like for good reason, like you could actually build a legitimate case for him to have been like an all-star reserve with the way he was trending. Yeah. And that, that's a really good point. That is. And Jalen Suggs got injured as well. And so, I mean, one thing, I, Cole Anthony has a game where you're like, wow. Like, okay, that's why I get what you're saying. But then there'll be a game where I'm like, what is he doing? Like, there hasn't been a real in-between. And so, obviously, when you're younger, you're, you're getting your feet wet in the league. I'm sure that consistency will come. And I may be completely wrong. Um, but from what my eyes are telling me, he's a great young piece to have. But I'm still not 100% convinced. Now, I love his um, – charisma his energy like oh you could tell these guys he's a leader he is a leader for that team and that's something he, that i don't know if they have that necessarily elsewhere on the yeah. team i think he needs to kind of be in the locker room for that reason but we said to your point if you want to project him more as like a six man like we've seen those like top tier bench guys also be like the quote unquote like vocal leaders of a team yeah. so it's not like he needs to be a starter just because he's that guy in the locker room yeah he's talented enough to be a starter like yeah. i'm not questioning that but considering that what's going on with the magic like you said we have a log jam of guards it's like it's not like he's in a situation where they desperately need some scoring in the starting lineup like we have so many guards and so we're just trying to figure out where the pieces fit now going forward depending on how the draft goes i know we'll get into that and what we can get in some lineups it makes more sense for him to be the starter so i think it's just continuing to see how these players develop 
But me personally, I would like to see him off that six man role if we continue to go in the right direction going forward. But like I said, I could be completely wrong because there's nights where, like you said, he, you could make a legitimate case for him to be an all-star at one point in time. So Fultz, Fultz is an easy answer to be in the starting lineup. I think, I think Jalen Suggs, and, and I was really high on Jalen Suggs coming out of the draft too. Like I would have had him probably as the fourth best prospect in the draft. Now, looking back, we can, I, I don't, I don't like to completely like tear down my draft thoughts after only like one year. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people put Scotty <laughs> Barnes up in that conversation. And there's another yeah. segment of magic fans who would probably be like, no, Franz Wagner's actually like our main piece between the two going. Yeah. Like, those are all legitimate arguments. Well, we'll we will definitely talk about Franz um, a, a little later on, but Fultz is an easy answer because of the defense, right? Like that guy plays legitimate point of attack defense at yep. the point guard position. We can have some questions about the shooting, but really when it comes to who's the best point guard on the roster and who is one of the two best backcourt pieces defensively, I don't think there's any question that the answer to those questions are the combination of Fultz and subs, which is why I think it's very reasonable for you to say those are probably the two pieces moving forward um and Fultz is the one who has the long-term deal like he's he's a little bit older had to come from another team but the contract's very reasonable right like 16 and a half mil the next two years and then 17 million going into 23 24 like given as you said the type of value he brings when he's on and he's healthy that's a perfectly reasonable contract for a point guard in in today's NBA so I don't hate the move at all I'm still a false believer myself and really, at the end of the year, he did start to put a lot of things together to the point where, like, Cole Anthony was trying to find his way coming back from injury. Fultz was able to be back in the lineup. But Fultz, Fultz was the best guard on the team at the end of the year when he actually was able to get the time and prove himself in the lineup. Like, that, that's not even up for debate. My only question or qualm with the Fultz subs pairing long term is, do you buy the shooting between the two of them enough? to be your starting backcourt because at times they can both be questionable outside shooters. So if you don't have the requisite pieces around those two, you start to get a little murky. Now, maybe in the draft, there's a few names we can throw out when we get to that point in the podcast that can definitely help the shooting aspect of the team. But do, do, does that give does that pairing in terms of shooting, give you any, any cause to pause? Oh, I mean, yeah, of course. It definitely, yeah. I would be thank you if I said didn't give me some pause because they've had some rough shooting nights. Cole Anthony is certainly the best shooter out of the bunch. Like he, his range, um, he has so much confidence too. And that's one thing I really like about Cole Anthony. He can miss his first four shots and he'll take that fifth shot with no hesitation. So I like that about Cole, but um, I definitely, depending on what pieces we can get or what we may draft, there's definitely lineups where it's going to call for Cole Anthony to be in that starting lineup just because, like you said, of shooting purposes. Jalen Suggs is still a very raw um, talent, not the most refined jump shot. I mean, now who really is going in their first two years, three years in the NBA? But, um, yeah, there's definitely some shooting concerns with the Orlando Magic, even just as a whole, not even just as a backcourt. So I mentioned the leadership aspect with Cole Anthony, but Jalen Suggs also showed plenty of that in one year at Gonzaga. And I think he can grow into being more of that guy in the NBA once more of his game starts to come around, right? Like he can really back up how vocal he is, how good quality character of a guy he is 
once right. more of the offensive production really is there for him. We, we know what he brings defensively on a night-to-night basis. That dude is a dog. He's a competitor. He can legitimately guard multiple positions in the NBA. Definitely your ones and twos, some threes, depending on the lineup of another team elects to go the, the small ball route. I still fully buy in on Jalen Suggs as being a potential star in the NBA. It's only been one year, but after watching him in an Orlando Magic uniform through some injury stuff, through some ups and downs, would you tell Orlando Magic fans to hold on to all of that stock that they might have had before the draft that he could be a potential star? Or do you think there's reason to maybe come down on him just a little bit? Like maybe he is more of a guy who's just going to fit in with everybody else around him versus be more of like that first or second option that people might have thought before the draft? Uh, that's a great question. I would hold my stock. Because I have a tendency, I, I have a tendency of doing this too, and that's just being a prisoner of the moment, or like that microwave society. Because there's so many. <laughs> but look at this guy, or this guy. It's like, why isn't he this? And it's like, wait a second. This is just like his first year. Like, or this is just his second year. Like, you got to give some people time to breathe before you can start making certain decisions. Because that whole development process, some people it takes two years and they pop. Some people it's three years and they pop. I mean, Kobe yeah. Bryant even pop right away i'm not saying Jalen Suggs is kobe bryant by any means but everyone has a different rate in which they pop now if it got to year four year five and you're seeing no types of improvement okay okay yeah you you may be sure. right to lower our expectations but just given the sample size that we have um and like you mentioned just the person that he is if you know you have a really high character guy who's built like a football player with tons of athleticism yeah. and great leadership qualities I'm not going to sell my stock just yet. We're like, I'm going to give him a couple more years to develop. So let's move into some of the forwards slash bigs. We talked about the backcourt a little bit. Where, all right. I am not as present on Magic Twitter as I am with some other fan bases. So I, I honestly don't know the answer to this question, but okay. where, where is everybody seem to be at on the Jonathan, guy, on Jonathan Isaac situation? Because that's just from the outside looking in an incredibly frustrating situation. Like if this guy's on the court, he's like an all defense type of performer, um, regardless of what he gives you on the offensive end, but the dude can literally never stay healthy and on the court. So like, are the fans actually fed up at this point or is everybody still kind of trying to have that optimistic outlook? Like just give him whatever time he needs. Eventually at some point he's going to come back. He's going to be the player that we expect him to be. Um, so from what I experience. It's a little half and half. Now, I'm the type of guy, too, that, like, I utilize Twitter. I don't let it utilize me. So, like, what I call uh, it's called, like, post and ghost in a sense. So, like, I I (laughs) get it or else I get involved in this, like, toxic back and forth where some people. I'm like, why am I even doing this? So, and especially with the fans as well, I try not to engage in basketball conversation with everybody. So, from the people I've, like, legitimately talked to about this, especially, like, just their pregame and um just halftime and stuff we all see the potential that he has like you said a guy who's 6'10 he's 24 years old and can guard one through five one through four um he was knocking down the three he's just a universal type of player that you want in 2022 like that's exactly who you'd want on your team um but of course there's frustration because the guy just can't stay healthy and typically, the bigger you are, um, injuries usually don't get better over time. He is a tall, lanky guy, not tons of muscle. So sometimes yeah. you wonder, kind of frail, can he take that type of beating? And uh, especially finishing a lot in the paint, which he did. But 
my personal opinion is I would be a little bit patient. I know that's not the the fun answer per se, because it is frustrating and you're paying the guy $17 million a year. He's constantly getting hurt, but I would, I want to see him with this young lineup that we have. And if he can stay healthy, I still think there's tons of potential with that type of lineup because that's a scary, young, fast, long athletic team with him and Mo Bamba on the same court. I mean, they're literally covering half court with their fans. Like, it, it could be ridiculous. And then with RJ Speed and Markel's a big guard and Cole Anthony's athleticism, like, it can get really Wendell Carter Jr. Like, we're a really scary team when it comes to athleticism and length and defense. We just need to all be there. So, because I know the potential, I would still give it some time before I get too. Um, I don't know what the word would be, but I guess just impatient with him because it is frustrating. Like there's availability, availability. at some point in time, you got to be available. But I I would say he still has a little bit of room, a little bit of room to work with. So speaking of that kind of that forward spot, that, that, that mix and match spot to where you can start to put pieces together with some of the bigs that you have that you mentioned with the guards that, that we talked about, well, we'll get to the bigs in a second, but Franz Wagner, man, holy cow. This guy completely exceeded all of my expectations last year. I, he was touted. There, there were some things that, that if you watched the tape close enough with him in Michigan, you could tell that eventually he was going to grow into doing a little more offensively. But really his calling card was being this guy who was nasty on the defensive end, a multi-positional defender. He brought that to the Orlando Magic and help the Magic actually have the 19th rated defense in the league, which when we talk about bottom feeders, really you guys were bottom feeders, quote unquote, because of just not being able to score the basketball officially in, in, virtually, in virtually every play type you want to call out, right? But it, it wasn't the defense. You guys were actually like trending towards being a good defensive team. We were. In the NBA. He's a part of it, but when the offense was clicking, a lot of the times it was because Franz was able to get it going and show a lot more on the offensive end far sooner than I expected. Now, I usually don't like to whip out a lot of the synergy percentiles with rookies or in some cases even second-year players because they're, they're never going to look good. Most of the time, they're like <laughs> never going to look good. But Franz rated out in the 59th percentile in terms of total offense, which does rate out as good on synergy. That's, that's an awesome stepping stone for any rookie player in the NBA. It when is. you break down all of his different offensive play types, the dude doesn't rate out anywhere below the 38th percentile in terms of the play types that he was involved most commonly in. So for the most part, he's rating out good to very good to excellent everywhere offensively. We know what he's capable of on the defensive end. That's, that's the type of home run pick that I think every NBA team would want to be able to hit with a second lottery pick like like I said at the top there, there's absolutely an argument to be made I'm sure a lot of Orlando Magic fans have already made it like he's the crown jewel of the draft class last year not even necessarily Jalen Suggs I agree with you I want to be patient with Jalen I think there might be two crown jewels there but really what Franz did he had an incredibly slept on rookie season I think up until he had that 30 plus point um, explosion. I believe it was against the, the Milwaukee Bucks, if I'm correct. It was like 38 points or something like that along those yeah. lines of the Milwaukee Bucks where he just literally couldn't miss from mid-range and from the corners and everything he was doing offensively was working during that game. But the passing flashes you see, the shooting from all over the floor, 
The fact that a 6'9", 220-pound forward, his weakness to his game was finishing around the basket by the numbers last year, which you would expect him to, at that size, continue to improve around the basket as he gets older. Like, Max, I'm going I'm to throw this one at you. I don't know if this is, this is crazy or what. Okay. When we were evaluating France last year for the draft, I said that, like, a really high-end outcome for him could be Gordon Hayward in the NBA. And I thought that was – incredibly optimistic outcome. I said it. I didn't know if Franz could actually get there. Right. You watch him after his rookie year though. It, it's, it's crazy to say because Gordon Hayward at his best was like a top five small forward in the NBA, but like you watch everything that Franz did last year and how much better he can continue to get with how young he still is. I don't think that's like a terribly bold proclamation anymore, at least not as bold as what I once thought it was. What really impressed you watching Franz last year, Max? And what, what do you think his upside is for this Orlando Magic team? First of all, I don't think that was crazy at all. I, I think that was actually a pretty, pretty fantastic. That was pretty genius to say that, especially before the draft, because expectations are everything with the draft. If you go in with super high expectations for a guy and he's just a good NBA player, you're disappointed because your expectations were so high. If I didn't have high expectations, I'm going to be honest. I, I did not whatsoever with him. And I thought, okay, well, like, let's see what he could do. You know, I've learned through covering the draft um, for the time that I have now, you don't want to make a, you want to go in with an unbiased view and just however the player that you're not familiar with performs is how he performs, evaluate it through that. So I didn't have any high expectations for him. As as, as a caveat, I didn't have terribly high expectations for him either. Like I I had a top 10 grade on him as a draft prospect. If I really wanted to go back and sit down last year, not just do the tier stuff, but like sign numbers next to a guy, I would have given him a top 10 grade. But that was more so because I thought that those guys at a certain size with that much skill and that feel for the game, even if he doesn't do anything that screams like star or potentially superstar, he's going to be a player who fits into a number of lives. He can just be a really solid role player for a long time in the NBA. But like, yeah, I, I didn't have, I didn't actually think he could start meeting some of those like star level expectations so soon either. So. Yeah. It's insane. And I, I sincerely owe Franz a, an apology. I really do because he, he was the the story of this season. I know we were talking about the backcourt, but he took everybody by surprise. I mean, yep. having 15 points his rookie year, um, and he is an underrated passer. I really like his vision. He, you mentioned it. He's a dog defensively. Like yep. the, he was never scared of any defensive matchup. I've seen him on an island alone when Kyrie dropped 60 something points um, here in Amway, and he he did not care. Like he would take that matchup and. And so there's just things that you don't sh- show on a stat sheet, but you just watch it like in person or you watch it on TV and you pay attention to it. Yeah. He was scared of those matchups. Like, and nope. he is, he has a very good, and this is the culture of Michigan, very good demeanor. Like he didn't really seem to put his head down. You know, you know what you're getting with him night in and night out. Some nights, obviously you have better shooting nights than others, but he was the steal for us and going forward, having him in the lineup, I mean, he shot 35% from three and 46 from the field his rookie year. Um, four rebounds, three assists. And I'm not the biggest stat guy, but as a rookie that you didn't have the highest expectations for to, to come and perform that way, that was – he's definitely a cornerstone of the Orlando Magic, right? We're talking about who's the yeah. cornerstone or the backcourt. Um, he was he was a steal. And I don't know if you can – I don't know if you call an eighth pick a steal, but because of what my expectations were – it, it, he really surpassed that. Like I sincerely owe Franz an apology. 
you, you can use the word steal because the fact that I can put him in a conversation in, in a year where we had Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Green was really picking it up for the Rockets in the second half of the year, basically post all-star break. Um, Josh Giddy showed some real legitimate flashes for the Thunder. Like when you can put Franz in that conversation and the fact that you got that player at number eight. Yeah. That, I mean, talk, talk about a potential home run draft for the Orlando Magic. Just those two picks, especially if Suggs really lives up to being more the player we think he is. Look at that draft. Like thinking about everything, like when we evaluated it in that amazing show we had. Spoiler alert, the, the next draft ain't going to be like this one, though. Just, no. just a spoiler, spoiler warning. But it really was like every player that we wanted them, what can we like? We hope Scotty Barnes can be this. Like we hope. Cade can be that guy and Jalen Green is that prolific and literally every guy that you would want to really live up to it seems to have lived up to it and it's it's still so early like these rookies have been so effective so early yeah I don't know what you credit that to I don't know if it's one particular thing I don't know if it's something they're eating but they're just so effective so early so I think part of that and, and I've talked about this on other episodes of the podcast, Max, is that I think a lot of these guys went to the right situations for them, right? Like I thought Cade, I thought his best fit out of those top teams would be Detroit. I thought that Mobley's best fit out of those top teams would be Cleveland. I thought that Jalen Green's best fit out of those teams would be Houston. We know we know what types of players Toronto's looking for. They're looking to build yeah. an identity. Scotty Barnes fits that identity. Do you think that Franz landed in the best situation for him, maybe coming to a franchise that doesn't have unrealistic expectations, a place where he's coming in with more freedom to be able to create and experiment, not just defensively, but also on the offensive end of the floor where he's not getting picked apart every single night because he tries to be over creative or over inventive doing this on offense. He can kind of just do it. And if it works for him, great. Like these are things we can build on heading into the next team. If it doesn't work, He's playing in Orlando. Not everybody has their eyes on Orlando every night. Like you can kind of just go back to the drawing board a little bit. Do you think that helps him a little bit? 100% fit matters. Situation matters. That's a great point. I mean, I don't know if you're a big uh, NFL guy, but you can only overcome. So I I love Trevor Lawrence. He's in Jacksonville. Like Andrew. That that, that poor Trevor Lawrence situation, man. Andrew is amazing, but he never had an O-line. Like, there's only so much you can overcome. So your situation truly matters if you're going to really shine. And you're right. I mean, I'm looking at our roster right now. And, like, besides at the forward position, who we've already talked about, who was injured anyway, Jonathan. Yeah, let's outline, let's outline the keepers. Like, go into it. Like, who, who do you like, see as the keepers? I'm looking like – now, this is no disrespect to any player, right? So sure. I'm not tearing anyone down. But we got to have these honest conversations because it matters when we look at, you know, where you guys are going to go with the top three pick. Who in this lineup would you say is a legitimate, like, good small forward to have? We have Ignis, we have Schofield, and we have – that was it for small forwards. So this was the perfect situation for Franz to go to. He has nobody at that small forward position that can hurt or hinder his development. Like, that's exactly what we needed at the small forward position. Jonathan Isaac – power forward he could obviously play positionless basketball but he's not healthy so our backcourt was jammed we had got rid of Vooch we want Mobama to develop we got Lopez but at, we were really lacking at that small forward position so I guess I guess like Chumo Kiki is really the only other name you can throw in there but like again that comes back to is he actually available to play basketball like he's had some struggles himself coming into the league and then being healthy for the Magic yeah and a lot of the times they are yeah yeah he's like 
they play in power forward, or especially like that's a good point. But yeah, like they this if I was France, that's this would be the team I would want to go to. And so he's, he's your small forward in the future. Like there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Hundred percent. Like how many locks can we really say with this Orlando Magic? Right, we're we're debating about the young core. I I personally like Mo Bamba, but fans get impatient. Like Vooch left, they want they expect more from Mo. Is Mo a lock for the future? Like I can't even say. And I love I think Wendell Carter Jr. was the best player this season. Is he really a lock for us because his trade value just went up? So is he really going to stay here? And so I really think that France is the guaranteed one hundred percent lock for this roster. I have a question that I want to go to, but I kind of want to finish out with talking about some of these guys individually. So we'll just, we're, we're going to finish out with the two bigs and then we'll move into um, the question that just popped in my head for you, Max. But Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba, interesting situation because Carter is, he has a long-term contract, right? Like you guys don't have to potentially look at trading him. He's on the roster, extended him, he has it. Mo Bamba, on the other hand, he's not locked in long-term. So nope. have you seen enough from Mo Bamba to want to extend him? Or do you think this is one of the – it's really interesting. Obviously, like, he can go one of, like, three ways, right? Like, you guys can extend him, you can show your commitment to him, and you can keep him there for the foreseeable future. You can let him sign an offer sheet elsewhere and, like, let him walk as a restricted free agent. Or you can, you can match something and still – keep them or maybe i don't know i don't know the mechanics of like doing like a sign and trade in like a situation like that like there, there's a lot of complicated options on the table but i think yeah. it, it all stems from the same question like do do you think the orlando magic have seen enough from obama to where they want in their long term i don't think they have i i think I they say they have either yeah i think they like mobamba i don't think they love mobamba and so I won't be surprised if they move off him. And me personally, I really like Mo Bamba. Um, me and Shad were pretty high on him for a while. Um, and we've always talked about it watching his games, but I don't think this is the right situation for him. Actually. I think he needs to play with a more developed point guard, um, a system where he could thrive more in because he does. What do you want from like a 2022 big is a big who can move his feet. He was not a liability late in games. He could block shots, protect the rim. He can stretch the floor and he could do all of those things, but it just hasn't been the puzzle piece doesn't fit. Like sometimes it looks like yeah. it can. It's like one of those puzzle pieces you have where it looks like it should fit. And you just keep trying to make it work, but it's just not fitting. But you really like the puzzle piece. I think that's going to become Mo Bamba for the Orlando Magic, where they like him a lot, but I don't think they love him. And so if the right situation comes about, I won't be surprised if he's um, no longer a Magic. Do they love Wendell Carter? Do they definitely love him? I, I think so. But the people that I think they love are the Jalen Suggs or the Franz Wagners. Those are the people Cole Anthony. They love them. Like that's, that's who they love. Who I think they really like Wendell Carter Jr. But like I said, what you, he had the best season for the Orlando Magic. That was the best season of his career, right? So I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying they just go ahead and trade him, but when you have a guy who's coming off his best season, of course you explore what the market would maybe like if depending on his contract situation. I don't know if they really, really love him because there may be greater opportunity trading him. Now, I don't know that for certain, but he shocked a lot of people this year. I remember watching him. I love watching him play. He's physical. He could stretch the too, man. Yeah, he goes up strong. 
like I love watching him play. So I biasly like I want them to keep him. I mean, his comp coming out of college was like an Al Horford type of big. And that's as as we see in the playoffs with the Boston Celtics, even Al Horford now. I mean, that that dude walked with a time machine or something like compared it's to ridiculous. compared to what I had to live with in, in Philadelphia, being a Philadelphia fan and then having to watch that whole situation blow up in my face. Then he goes back to Boston and now it's like he's the Al Horford of old. Like they like, for, forget Atlanta Al Horford. He looks like like University of Florida Al Horford. Like some of these nights, like it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, what they've gotten. He looks but, like an NCAA champion right now. <laughs> yeah, but that that type of big man, I think that's what the Orlando Magic would want Wendell Carter to be, and that's an incredibly valuable player. And I would I would agree with that line of thinking. Like I would absolutely keep him as part of the long term plans. I would see if he can continue to further develop more of that offensive skill set. Like. That's what really intrigued me when I evaluated Wendell Carter, why I had him fourth on my board that year in the draft was because I went back and watched a lot of the high school stuff. And a lot of people could say the same things about like Bam Adebayo, like Bam Adebayo, if you go back and watch his high school tape, like he's doing a lot more than he did at Kentucky. If you go back and watch Wendell Carter's high school tape, he was doing a lot more than he did at Duke. And I still think there's plenty more to unlock with him, which is why I think between the two bigs, I know Mo Bamba is a very unique big man when it comes to his size, his length on top of the shooting ability that he provides, right? That's a very rare package, but it's a package that just hasn't come together yet. Exactly. Like the consistency just hasn't been there. The opportunity hasn't been there. I think at some point you kind of just got to cut your losses and if he succeeds somewhere else, that's great. It's fantastic. We're always rooting for players to succeed. Right. Wendell has more dog too. Like Wendell's going to go get it. And that, and that's what I, I like that. Um, and that could just be because the way when I played, obviously I didn't play at this magnitude, but when I played, that's what my coach would always refer to as going to go get it, that dog. And um, we wouldn't call it 50, 50 balls. We'd call it 80, 20s. Like we're, that's our ball. If there's a flaw on the ground, the ball on the ground, that's ours. And like, you need that when you're trying to create a culture, like you need those guys that are going to play like that. And he had, he plays like that. He plays that dog. Um, and to your point, if you had him, choose between the two i would definitely go a window so we've walked through each of the position groups with the young guys right so we're, we're kind of building towards this question that i have for you before we start throwing out specific needs and some specific names with the 2022 draft class interesting players at each different positional group on this roster however as you astutely pointed out the long-term commitment really isn't there for a lot of them. Like a lot of these guys really haven't separated themselves as I'm going to be with the Orlando magic for the next five to six years. And a situation that I've had some interesting debates about with this draft in particular, because the Orlando, uh, not the Orlando, excuse me, the Oklahoma city thunder are in a position. They could potentially end up with the fourth pick. They could miss out on some of these forward slash bigs who could really help them in the long term, but could be stuck with choosing like, a guard, for example, like a Jay and Ivy, right? When they already have SGA and Giddy on the roster, you guys could, I hope not, but you guys could potentially be in like a similar position to where yep. you really <laughs> have to consider best player available and just take the best talent who's the best player left on your board versus fit. Which approach would you take if you're drafting for the Orlando Magic? Are there enough pieces? on this roster to where you feel 
you could maybe try to fit some more of the puzzle pieces together? Or do you think, no, there's not enough keepers on this roster. We just got to go get the best player available in the draft. I always, now this may not be the right answer, but I go all in on, I want to draft the best player. It's like, my answer. Don't I, worry, it's my answer. Yeah, I want to draft the best player. And then where the pieces fall after they fall, we'll make it work. That's my job as a GM to make it work for the best player. But when you have the opportunity to get the best player, I think you should always go for the best player. Absolutely. I would agree 100%. So there are some interesting names near the top of the draft. The Orlando Magic are tied for the best odds to land yep. the number one pick. By the time everyone's listening to this podcast, my audience will know where the Orlando Magic fall in the draft. We, however, recording this on Monday, May 16th, we do not know where the chips are going to fall on draft lottery night. So let me just ask you a question, Max, and feel free to throw in any specific names for prospects if you want to open up the conversation. But if you're just looking at everything we've talked about, we've gone through every single positional group on the roster. We know kind of who everybody is, and we have a sense of what they project to be long-term. What do you think are is, is the top need or maybe like one or two needs that you think the Magic definitely need to address with their lottery pick on draft night? We need shooting. Now, obviously, the top picks in this draft, when you just look at, like, draft boards, a lot of power forwards. Like, you look at Chet, you look at Jabari, Paolo. Um, so those aren't necessarily the guard. Like, we have enough guards, but shooting has been – the and scoring the basketball has been the biggest problem for the Orlando Magic, right? Sometimes the game's not as – you don't need to make it so difficult. Like you mentioned, we, we were actually a pretty legitimate – had a legitimate defense. Yeah, we didn't have a legitimate offense. Very inconsistent. Didn't know really. We didn't have like a go-to guy. Um, I, I won't make you relive a lot of the season by reading yeah. off the synergy percentiles on offense as a team. Yeah. But it, it wasn't good. We'll just say that. It was not good. So, obviously, we need a score and someone who can get a bucket themselves. Yeah. Um, but, quite frankly, when you're tied for the highest um, odds to draft the player, um, what, overall, so number one overall, you want to just draft the best available. That's what I would do. I would just keep it simple and give me the best talent that we can get. And now whether you think that's Chet, I think Chet's obviously the unicorn of, of this draft. I've been following him since high school. I think a lot of people have. He's He, he is just flat out ridiculous. Um, I really like Jabari. I think I'm a little higher on Jabari than most, but I, I, I believe you just go with the best talented guy. Orlando Magic needs scores. They need shooters. Um, so later on in the draft, I think you definitely address that. But when it comes to your number one pick, um, if we get so lucky to get that, it's just drafting that best talented guy. So I would hope that the Orlando Magic have a top three pick and they can go get one of those three guys that we just mentioned versus having to choose between like a Shane Sharp or a Jay Nivey or whoever else we might throw in that conversation after those top three names. You outlined two very important offensive points that I agree with you would be absolute needs that you have to address, but you can address those needs in different ways, depending on the player you could choose at the top. Chet and Jabari, for example, are both these big forward slash potential centers in Chet's case who can stretch the floor. They can knock down the easy catch and shoot threes, the trailer threes. Those are things that they can do, but in different ways, if they get to live up to their potential, they might be doing a little more creating for themselves and for others off the bounce. But right now, that's not the type of player that they are. So they can right. provide shooting, but not do-it-yourself potential number one slash number two option right now. At least not right now, my opinion. Right. Paolo's not the shooter that those two are. 
but he is the score. He is the that, score. That they are. So out of those three guys, just given what I laid out there for you in terms of what their evaluation looks like right now, who do you think the Magic should select out of those three guys? If they get the number one pick, they got their option out of all. Who do you think they should go with? If they got the number one overall pick, I think they go with Chet. Okay. That's who I think they go with. And I think um, not like a peer pressure pick, but I think he's the unanimous or the – yeah, yeah, he, I would say he's the unanimous number one overall pick in this draft, um, the consensus. I think they go with Chet. Now, Shad, I know, is really hard, high on Jabari. And whenever Shad's high on somebody, I always stop and think when he tells me something. I agree. First of all, shout out to Shad, friend, friend of the Draft yeah. podcast. Shout out to him. So my argument, when we've, when we've sat down in those ceilings and we've done like collective like mock drafts, we come together yeah. and we want to debate in the war and want to do a mock draft. My argument for Orlando for a while has been, you're telling me the team based out of Orlando, Florida, that doesn't have to go very far to see Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith has torn it up at Auburn all year long. You're telling me that their scouting department isn't coming back uh, every single time after those trips to go see Jabari and be like, oh, my God, like this guy. This guy's so, so impressive. Like, why are we not going to take him if we have the number one pick? Like, I think that's actually an argument just based on proximity to where they have – how far they have to travel to actually see these guys. Like, I think that's something that could possibly benefit them. I- I'm assuming you probably would feel the same way. Yeah, that's actually – that's a fantasy. See, you dive deep. See <laughs> That's called next level thinking. So you have the people that look at the mock drafts and the boards, and the, but then you have the next level thinkers such as yourself that look into location, how often they've seen them. That's a, that's a really great point. And like I said, Shad is, he has like a third eye when it comes to seeking talent. And so whenever he says something, I just believe it. And I trust it because he's just, I don't know. Like it's, it's the weirdest thing. And shout out to Rashad. Like we've covered, I actually met, so I met him, just quick story. Yeah, I want, I want to hear this story because you yeah. guys are, have, have been connected. I want to hear how you two got connected. Yeah, that, that's like family to me. So I met him, I had him on my show one time. I had another podcast and I couldn't miss the interview. So, and I don't recommend, recommend people doing this, but I'm like, wow, I didn't realize, I, I, I didn't, just before I wrote stuff down and I overbooked and I was like, oh my God, I'm commentating for an MMA event in Orlando. I can't miss this opportunity though. So I'm driving to the event and I'm interviewing him on the phone for my podcast. I got it all plugged up on my mobile podcast device. So I'm interviewing him and it went fantastic. And uh, then I'm like, wait a second, you cover the Orlando magic. You're in Orlando. And he's like, yeah. I was like, wow, I can cover the Orlando magic. So that's how we connected. And I've always told him what I wanted to do. And he completely took me under his wing. Like he was one of the most genuine people I ever met. Like he had no reason to take me under his wing. I was like telling him, look, I want to be the next Colin Coward. I want to do this. I want to do that. And he's like, you're going to be even better. And he's like, here, I'll show you. I'm like, wow. Okay. That sounds great. But he actually did everything that he said. So quick shout out to him. But I remember he would look at certain players. He'd be like, year three, this guy's going to pop. I'm like, what? He's like, year four, this guy's going to pop. I'm like, well, how do you know what year they're going to pop? And then it's like, that's exactly what happens. And so it's, it's really unreal how he's able to seek talent. He doesn't even just do it for basketball. He does it for people and life. And this is a good person. Like, I don't know how he knew to connect with me and to keep me under his wing. Like, it's just some weird stuff that I don't question anymore. So when he says Jabari, 
that's now my pick is Jabari. So I say Chet as in that's not a bad pick. Universally, I think that's a, that's a really good pick for the Magic if they have the opportunity. I, but, I also think, though, that if they had number one, they would probably go Chet. Yeah. That's also what I think. But when I hear how high Jabari, like why Sean says Jabari, what you just mentioned, Jabari is a really good pick for the Orlando Magic. Sorry to go on that little tangent about Rashad, but like it, it is unreal watching these games with him and how like we'll just watch players be like, you're six, Mo Bamba. I'm like, what? And I'm like, you're six. Like it just, it's unreal. No, Rashad's Rashad's awesome. Like I said, friend of the Draft Deeper podcast. I, yeah. I have his book on pre-order as much as a lot of other people probably do. So yeah. it's going to be a fantastic read. And he did promise me another podcast to dissect the book when it drops. I I will hold him to that. He will be back to talk about his book on my damn show. I will I will hold him to that. But I know it's I know he'll come back. It's unreal. We'll cover. We were covering the NBA draft show. I'm sorry. I know. I don't know if you're on a time constraint. And no. when we did show last year in atlanta on suv tv i was a shooter like i can shoot the ball now you can question my defense at times um my athleticism at times compared to the, but i know one thing i can shoot the ball like i feel very sure. like i promise you i can outshoot ben simmons like that's how i feel like so <laughs> we were um before the draft show i was like all right Sean, let's see what this is about i challenge you to a shootout so we did a shootout before the draft show after the war room. We're talking about all the prospects and Scotty Barnes and whatnot. Um, this guy missed one shot the entire time. Like we shot tons of free throws, tons of threes. And we had a bet on who can't miss a certain amount at this point. He only missed one shot. He shot probably at least 30 to 40 times. And I was just like, yeah, this is, this is ridiculous. Like he doesn't just talk it. Like he actually genuinely is a, NBA guru like basketball guru like that's how from actually playing it to analyzing it to talking it yeah he's he's the real deal it's the mark of a pro man it's a telltale sign if you if you do if you don't miss shots in an, in an open and an empty gym that's what you should be doing as a pro when you are missing those shots that can sometimes be a telltale sign like hey we, we gotta work on some stuff here but yeah. Yeah, I, I can assure you J- Jabari Smith ain't going to be missing many shots at his workouts, including for the Orlando Magic, which if they buy into his size, his shooting versatility, what he could grow into if he can develop some of the ball handling, if he can get better, better as a finisher off the bounce around the basket, which I, I think a lot of that stuff can be unlocked in, in certain ways. I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to be a number one option in the NBA. I think we're talking about number one options. I think Paolo, obviously has the claim to that throne in this draft class, but I'm not, not saying it's a guarantee. Like I'm not going to, to Vegas and putting my poker chip down on like that outcome happen. You know what I mean? So that's, but I will say if the magic do slip to number three, right. Yeah. And, and Chet and Jabari are off the board and Paolo's the guy that you guys are able to take and he becomes everything that we might think he can be on offense is that is that a situation where you're trying to, to tell the fan base like all right, all right guys like I know that he might not be Chad he might not be Jabari we've heard all the great things that are said about him on the ESPN draft show or the Sports Talk twenty three nineteen draft show whatever the case may be but we still got a really really good player in Palo like do you think that he can be one of the better fits out of this draft class regardless for the Orlando Magic Yeah and this sounds so terrible to say because there's a lot of things to be positive about the Orlando magic. But when you go to a team that doesn't have a go-to, it's pretty easy to sell somebody that has that type of talent in the top three pick. This could be the guy, like this could be our guy. So it's not like he's going like, for example, Detroit, I think Cade's their guy like that. That's without question. 
you, you go to Houston, obviously you have a couple different pieces, but we talked about Jalen Green showed a lot of, a lot of um, flashes of that could be that guy. Orlando, who's the guy? Who's, yeah. Yeah, who's the guy? So it's pretty easy. It's an easier pitch to the fans to say this could be the guy because there's not someone he really has to, again, it sounds bad to say, but there's no, no not indiv- one individual you have to take the throne from or to, not, you don't have to really sell this too hard to say this could be the guy when you don't really have a guy. So not that the young players can't develop to become that, but as of right now, we don't have it. So if Paulo falls to us, I don't think it's a hard sell at all. I think he'd be a great option in Orlando, man. The more the more that I think about my personal preferences in terms of fits, I know a, a lot of people much smarter than I am have said the Paolo Orlando fit makes a ton of sense for like like months ago. People like Chuck from Chuck and Darn, a whole bunch of other people were saying this. I've I've been able to sit down and think about the team fit more, especially once the season ended. Now that we really knew like who are the teams that are probably going to be buying for these spots in the draft. The more and more I think about it, the more I think Paolo like really should be a part of the Orlando Magic organization. And if you guys do get that number one piece to work around a point guard like Markel Fultz, to work around another defensive stopper in the back bar, like a Jalen Suggs, with a Franz Wagner able to play off of anybody else that you can throw into the lineup. And then with a big like Wendell Carter, um, you add, you sprinkle in some more pieces of depth to that team. And now, now you're really making something um, that, that can be a legitimate playoff contender. In, in the Eastern Conference, if you continue to add the right bench pieces around those guys. So I, that's the fit for me. I would really love for that to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. We will have to see on June 23rd on draft night, but best wishes for the Orlando Magic, Max. I hope that they can get a good pick in the draft by the time that everyone's listening to this podcast. I hope it's number one for Orlando's sake. We will, we will have to wait and see, but this was an incredible episode of the podcast max i really appreciate you coming on not just talking about the orlando magic but sharing sharing some of your backstory too with rashad i i I love that stuff i love hearing those stories good things tend to happen to good people and i'm really glad that you've had a a lot going right in in your life my friend you absolutely deserve it you work your ass off i watch you from afar you're doing a lot of great things in the multimedia space and i cannot wait to see what more comes your way in the very near future my friend but again thank you for coming on please share everything you're doing with my audience because I know it's a lot share everything that you're doing I want to make sure that they're tapped into everything that you're doing I really appreciate it like I said it's great to talk to people that like you said are just good people that love basketball yeah um, and you're definitely one of those people I knew it when I talked to you on the draft show you're always welcome we'll set it up to come on my show whenever you have an opportunity oh yes please um, I don't know. You're probably, I don't mean for you to give up your lo- your studio location, but I'm assuming you're not in Orlando, but if you ever come to Orlando, you can, <laughs> uh, we'll be able to do some in-person work, but you can find me. My name is my brand, Max Van Auken. It's a little bit of a unique last name. So that V-A-N space A-U-K-E-N or on Instagram, Twitter, um, the MVP.net is my website. And I have the Max Van Auken podcast. I just launched two new series, which is the undrafted series. I really want to shed light on I love Rocky. Like that's my all time favorite movie. And so that's kind of inspired me to do this undrafted series because there's a lot of great stories out there that aren't just in the bright lights, number one overall, but you have some real gems and people that have overcome stuff. Um, So the undrafted series there, I just had my first episode of Austin Pope is out. Um, And then I just launched my NBA experience series, which is all underneath my Max Van Auken podcast channel, um, wherever you listen to podcasts, where I just had Bob Rathbone, the, uh, the voice and the announcer of the Atlanta Hawks. So you could check that out. And then you also, 
I can't believe I'm doing this, but it's time I adapt. I'm big on TikTok now. So not big as in the numbers, but big as in I'm trying to become big on TikTok. It's the way that people are consuming information these days. So you can check me out on TikTok as well with Max Van Auken. But other than that, that's really about it. So I appreciate it. And uh, it's an absolute honor to talk hoops with you. Two things. Number one, we, we've had the TikTok conversations behind the scenes at No Ceilings. We, we, got, we, we got to get a TikTok friend. So it's not going to be me. I am not great with a lot of that stuff. It won't be me, but we got to figure it out in some way. Listen, I'm telling you, Mark Cuban said it. That's what two people told me. Um, my guy from ESPN Lafayette told me this because he listens to Gary Vee. I really like Gary Vee. I don't know if you follow him. He's an awesome entrepreneur. Um, but he talked about it. But when Mark Cuban told Colin Coward, he said, this is going to be the way people consume information because the younger generation is becoming more and more impatient yeah. That microwave society. People don't want to watch and sit through a whole game, unfortunately, unless you're diehards like us. That's how people are going to consume it. So we have to, as content creators, as entertainers, have to be able to adapt to how people like to receive their information. So I started doing it. And the algorithms are absolutely ridiculous. You don't even have to follow me to see my stuff. So I highly recommend you have amazing takes. You have a great basketball mind. If you just do quick, and I'm not acting like I know everything because I'm still learning, but if you post about three a day and you do about 20 to 30 second clips, it could be about your draft content, anything hoop knowledge. I think people listening to this show that are big on it would love it. Corey, Corey Tulliba, the, the NBA draft dude, took some of his YouTube spots on the TikTok and he just posted these little clips on there for like a week. And he showed us the videos and the attention that they got. We're like, okay, th th this is this is real. This is serious. We 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 have to get it here somehow. It's insane. Like I literally just started, and I posted one video about why I said Kendrick Lamar is the Kawhi Leonard of the rap game. My just a quick rap analogy that I have, and it got 10.4k views, which isn't a lot compared to a lot of people. But I was like, I have like 30 something followers just started and hit 10.4. I was like, what have I been doing? Like, how many people could actually see my stuff? And so I just now all of a sudden I'm all about it. So have you have you listened to the album yet? Dude, don't even get me started. I'm not the biggest Kendrick guy. I'm not trying to sound like a hater. I, I haven't finished listening to it. What I've heard is decent, but I'm, I'm probably going to turn a lot of your fans off that are listening <laughs> to this. I just think he's one of the most overrated people because you put him in this goat, not you, but people put him in this goat conversation. It drives me insane. I, I wouldn't, I, I'm a huge hip hop rap guy. I, I yeah. agree with you. I, I wouldn't put him in that conversation. Okay, I think thanks. he's, he's supremely talented. I yes. love a lot of what he's done. Um, <laughs> to Pip a Butterfly, I think is, I think is his best album. A lot of people would disagree. Really? I've heard a lot of that. I think that's his best album. Not, not to like all of a sudden turn my podcast into a hip hop podcast, but I think that's his deepest his most complete album. And in my oh. opinion, I love it. Hey, all right. Well, listen, we're going to have you on my show. We may not even talk NBA. We'll talk oh. Marvel movies and hip hop. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, 100%. I'm down. I, I say all that to say that I have not listened to the new album yet. I was looking for like an, an honest review. I, I've told myself I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to it when I have the time to just go start to finish. And I don't have to be interrupted by anything. I can just completely absorb all of it i have not found that time between when it came out on friday up until today so i'm yeah. still looking for that time but i i cannot wait i cannot wait to sit down and listen to it isn't it crazy i don't mean to keep going off on a tangent but how valuable time is like now i when i worked out is usually when i listen to music but now i just listen to podcasts I'm like that's all i listen yeah. to so like, the only time i listen to music is on my way 
somewhere. But even then, I usually put on a podcast. So it's pretty hard to actually listen to stuff nowadays. But my man, I really appreciate it. I'm sorry to take up even more of your time. It's been an absolute honor. No, absolutely. Max, come on, take up more of my time. You can, I've, I've done two hour podcasts by myself, bud, just, just talking rambling about, about the NBA draft. So yeah, this, anybody who's a, a, a dedicated listener to the draft team podcast knows that I've said far too many words by myself on, on, on an audio feed. So, so try and, and the podcast I do with Chuck, shout out to Chuck from Chuck and Darts. We go for like two hours. Yeah. And come on, taking up more of my time. It's good. Come on, man. I got, I got, I got plenty of time for you, boss. Um, I, I forgot what it, we went off on the hip hop tangent and talk about, I, I, I was going to say something to follow up TikTok. I don't even remember what I was going to say, but either way, right, listen, next you're, time you're we awesome. Talk, you're on my show. I hope you got on TikTok by that time. No pressure. I, I, I would hope so too. We got to get, we got to get those ceilings on TikTok. Yeah. You, whenever you want me on your show, man, we'll talk about whatever, however much time you want to have me on for literally we'll talk about whatever and then i will share that i will share the absolute hell out of that episode for my audience for if they want to know more about me right like not just the nba draft junkie me if they want to know more about me go listen to the max max van Auken podcast episode where we just shoot the shit for two hours and do whatever we want to do you're we'll set it up because my what my show has become i'm not saying i'm like the next joe rogan by any means but it's become such a free-flowing conversation where I have like certain episodes where I'm trying to talk NBA playoffs, but me and Combo end up talking about like going to the movies last shout week. Out, shout out to Andrew. Shout out to Combo's court too. Yeah, man. we end up talking about like I give him a hard time about something in New York. And before you know it, we're talking 30 minutes about how he can't do X amount of pull-ups in New York or something. So it's like my conversation has just become such a free-flowing thing. So I would love to have you on. And thank you one more time to everybody who took the time to listen to this episode of the Draft Deeper Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you listening out there. Keep the momentum going all the way up through the draft. Plenty more content coming, but to make sure you're subscribed and locked into that content, make sure you're obviously subscribed to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Make sure you're following No Ceilings on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA. Subscribe to the Substack. No ceilings, NBA.com, as Corey Tullamore say. It's free 99, baby. doesn't cost you a dime. You get every single piece of draft content you could possibly want under one roof. We're just going to keep pumping out content. I cannot wait for what we have planned over the next two months. Definitely going to be incredible special content that you can get access to if you're subscribed. But definitely make sure you're subscribed over on that front. Until we meet again after the lottery, after I've been able to Share my reactions to the lottery along with Stephen Gillespie. That show will be Stephen Gillespie's last show for this draft cycle over on Draft Deeper until we can give those reactions and continue to cover the draft all the way up through June 23rd. Thank you again for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.